Jingle bells, Ian smells, he laid an egg. He makes music on his computer, now he's dead. Ian McCurtis is fucking dead, you can't hear him anymore. Cause the Christmas church and bells, they're ringing for more. S'mores. Do we need to restart the recording? That's right, that's the new official Jubilee Street uh, theme song. Because this is another episode of Jubilee Street, a music podcast. We're expanding the universe like the MCU. But this week, we're talking about a Nick Cave song, like we always do. I got Jake Curtis, my co-host, here with me. Hi, guys and girls and people. I got myself here with me. We got Blue the Intern Dog with us. It's the crew you always knew, the crew you always loved. This week, we're talking about White Elephant from the album Carnage. Everyone watch the Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, in theater soon. Shoot you for free if you come around here. Protest kneels on the neck of a statue. The statue says I can't breathe. Protester says, now you know how it feels, and he kicks it into the sea. We did not get compensated for that ad. I uh, thought maybe they would just pay me. How much do you think you'd get paid? I think if Sony Pictures had us do an ad, I think we would... I think the lowest we could get paid is 500 But I think it could be far more. Ian... I want to start this podcast by asking you, and if you have somewhere else you want to start, we can start there, but I want to ask you, when you think of this song, White Elephant, how did you feel the first time you heard it, and then how did you feel listening to it again, getting ready for this episode? Okay. This might be like uh, is one of the more hot takey episodes, because we don't usually do that. Hot take with Ian McCurtis. First time I heard it, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was one of the best songs on the album. I was so into mm-hmm. him talking about like a real world issue for once in like a concrete way where it was evident to me it wasn't fully dressed in poeticism. And yeah. the end of the song where the drums come in, it's been so long since there's been like any sort of like rock to what Nick Cave's done. So that was awesome. And then this album's been out for four or five months now. Now I'm like, do we really like this song or do we just want to like it because Nick Cave's talking about some real shit and because that ending, you know, is like very epic sounding. Is this really a good song? And I don't think it's that good. Why don't you think it's that good? I... It just doesn't. Like what it, what it doesn't, sheen? Like, let's imagine you picked it up and it's a new, fresh apple, and it's got that like sheen on it. You know, like you take it home, you wash, it's all shiny, and you know, then you've like, let's imagine you've got this apple that's been sitting on the shelf. It's kind of you know, it's browning a little bit. It's re- right, ready to like what sheen? What was lost from the first listen to now? There just wasn't much in it that kept me coming back. Like the me- like. I'm setting the lyrics aside. I don't. Nick Cave's always going to kill it lyrically. Lyrics not, are great. 
I'm not. We can uh, both agree there. I'm not dogging on that at all. But melodically, there just isn't much that makes me want to listen to this song over and over. And then I just really hate the loop of the song, the like, boom. That, it reminds yeah. me of Imagine Dragons. It reminds me of like current radio rock. And that yeah. doesn't mean it's inherently bad, but I can't watch that connection in my mind. It just sounds like things that I detest. Mm-hmm. So I just... Like now when I listen to this album, I usually I skip this song. I think there's so many better songs on the album, but I didn't feel that way <laughs> at all when the album came out. And maybe three years from now, I'll come back around. Mm-hmm. But that's where I'm at right now. Don't hate me. I would listen to... Listeners. Every... I don't think they're going to hate you. I would listen to every song on this record twice before listening to White Elephant again. Now... I thought you were going to like vehemently disagree with me, but isn't that interesting? Because on the reaction episode, I feel like it was one of our favorites, both of us. Yeah, I mean, it's not a pleasant sounding song until like right at the end. And then the ending is awesome. And I feel like it's funny thinking about this record, like, like you said, four or five, it came out in February. And we listened to it like the day it came out and we did a quick reaction podcast. It's funny. I don't, I, I think the only thing that besides like the ending section of the song that really I think is incredible about this song are the lyrics. Like the lyrics are like, these are some of the best lyrics he's written, but, and they're so like illustrative and like, there's lots of imagery going on. And I don't know. I, really love the lyrics but that loop like you said it's it's just it's not it's kind of unpleasant it's like you took every it's kind of like warren because i think warren made the beat sent it to nick and you know i think he just like used like a voice memo and then that's how that's how they made a lot of this record now if you remember um i don't know if you watched it they did that like live chat about carnage so Nick I watched Cave, it. I, I'm remembering now what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, Nick Cave just read ahead, the lyrics as a poem, like to nothing. And then That's Warren, what it is. Warren put the beat over it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. We did another song recently that had a similar kind of story. I was getting them confused. Um, but I think a lot of this record is so, like, it has such a feeling of, like, immediacy to it and i think this song will will stand the test of time for its lyrical quality because he's literally talking about the george floyd protests and i think when this album came out well, I, I don't know if anyone remembers not to be annoying but i think someone someone wrote in when we talked about the album yeah i wish i could remember the details but i think it's about a protest in england where they uh, it was a Black Lives Matter protest in England where they knocked a statue into the kick. The bay. So yes, that's correct. Um, that is that is the literal event that he's connecting the dots to here. But for me, as far as like my experience, I can't really escape the George Floyd imagery that it creates, even if that's not the intended purpose. Yeah, same. Basically, what I'm saying is, I just didn't want that person to think that we didn't uh, see what they wrote. But yeah, for I mean, anyone in yeah. America. Yeah, that's going to be what you think about. Yeah, no, 
a relatively um, similar feeling about the song, I would say. I am, I, you know, just decided that the, that was how I felt, and I was going to be honest on here, because I always try to be honest. I thought we were going to spend mm-hmm. half an hour arguing. I did not expect that at all. So I wonder... That's if, like what you want to happen. What? I, I feel like that's always what we want to happen, and then we both love the song, and we don't have anything to talk about. Not that we're not going to talk about it, but... But that makes me... I feel like when I was on Reddit and talking to other listeners, I feel like this was a standout song, so I wonder if other people are like us and have kind of went the other way on it. That's really interesting to me. It is... Mm-hmm. Man, because I look at the back half of this record, like Lavender Field, Shattered Ground, Balcony Man, to close it out. And all three of those songs yeah. are like, dude, like top level. Good ones. And good ones. This is some of the best Nick Cave lyrics. So, like, I'm a Botticelli Venus yeah. with a penis. It's so. That's the, exactly funny. the lyric I was thinking of. But this song's so serious. Writing an enormous scalloped fan. Putting in the humor just here and there. Man. I mean, I'm in all the lyrics. I'm just looking at them as a poem and. It is masterful work, like always. I think the whole record could be... I, I don't know if they did this, listeners, because I haven't. I don't buy vinyl anymore, but if if he did a vinyl release, it would be... I, 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 would, I would love at some point to have a whole collected book of all the lyrics he's written, you know, with, like, Ooh. his drawings he and illustrations and stuff. He ha- but he, So he has, like, like, with all of his lyrics up to date? Not, or not up to now, just but... Like, uh, I'll, it's always a half price book, so I'll, I'll see if it's there next time I go and send it to you. It'll probably like four bucks there. Send me, um, well, well, we'll talk about it after the episode. Here's my question, and I'm, I think I had this question when we first talked about it. Why the ending? Why don't they just cut it off before Kingdom in the Sky comes in? I don't know. It feels very like classic rock, doesn't it? Like Grateful Dead, kind of. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, I don't. It's I don't, a great. I don't know if ending. it's supposed to be sarcastic, or if it's supposed to be uh, genuine. And that to me, that's the most interesting part of the song is trying to figure out like, what is the meaning of that end part? I don't know. Well, to reference that video that you mentioned about their their live chat they did, which um, you guys can find on YouTube, just type in the search bar "Nick Cave Warren Ellis live chat." I think it happened in like June. Right, May right. or June. It's it's really um, cool. It's great. It, it for for people that are big fans of the band, I think it's one of the best treats we've gotten as like an inside look from both of them in a long time. But it it kind of seems like they, well, we t- they talk about how Nick is kind of inherently cynical, and then Warren has like an optimism that kind of helps Nick see things a little bit differently. And I think that that's probably why this chorus exists, where the first part of the song is very gruesome, you know, lots of, like, strange imagery, you know, references, words. I think this is also referencing a George Orwell story called Shooting an Elephant from his book uh, Burmese Days. Well, I'm not familiar, but I love George Orwell. Um. I will send you the link after we finish the episode. Um, I have not had a chance to read it. I did read like the first couple of lines, and I think it it, it would have been um, interesting to look at it in that sense. But you know, 
maybe if we read it, read it and we see the song a new way, we'll do the we'll do a second like mini episode if we want to. But I definitely feel like there's a sense of like, as, as with most of this, you know, later era bad seeds where they're talking about something, but there's something else going on. And because Nick has become more free form and less, you know, narrative in his lyrics, like this is probably the most narrative we've gotten from a song on this album, but it's also like, he's very clearly making a stance, but it's also like the song ends where everybody goes to heaven. So let me say what, what I, what I think here, because I, I think it's relatively cheesy, but I think it's in line with what the bad seeds usually say about things. Evil is evil. Evil things happen. Good people revolt. Good things happen as an, as a, byproduct of the revolting revolt also brings destruction and chaos it also brings confusion and death but what if even if this is what life is about at the end of it we all end up in paradise and that's a really really like powerful thing to offer when we live in an era where images are so important and the only th- the first image i always think of with the song and it's funny because ian was making fun of me before the episode that i never thought of the christmas reference for white elephant which is you know you, it's a christmas game where you like open a gift and then someone can steal it from you or open a new one which i think adds another little layer I just was slow on that, which is funny because I love like puns and wordplay and stuff. And I think that the game has another name in England. There's like a British name for the game that I think is yeah. like a funny name and I can't remember what it is. Fuck, someone will send it to us. I mean, there's so many things that I could keep unpacking um, as far as like just the title. Well, well, while, while you're on, on this thing, I, I definitely think that's part of it is like how ironic is it if you were to believe in afterlife that we're doing all this fighting and then what if everyone goes to heaven and none of it mattered? There is a lot of irony to that that I'm sure Nick Cave would appreciate. And I think the other thing is how biblical the end of this feels. And it might be a comment on how both sides are using the same thing to justify what they're doing. So the racist people are like, I'm fighting this for God. Like, this is what God wants, and I'm I'm fighting the good fight. And then yeah. the people that are being oppressed are like, well, this sucks, but, like, I'll find justice in the afterlife, or, like, God will find justice for these people. Like, both sides are using mm-hmm. God to justify how they feel. Isn't that interesting, too, that, like, if we take the chorus as God's response to people— then God is is the ultimate benevolent, all-knowing being. And he allows people to fight and have wars, but he's like, well, I gave you the option to choose what you can do, and then you all created all these walls, borders. You created anti-abortion laws to, like, keep women of color from, you know, getting higher, becoming higher class and being able to, like, live their lives as, like, as comfortably as, like, white men do. But keep in mind that, like, once you die and you come back to me, I'm giving you paradise. That's the agreement, is you have to live life. It might be suffering, but you ultimately have a choice to make it less about that. Now, 
there's a lot of little holes in that argument. Some people who are born with a certain skin color in America are going to have a harder life, and it might be hard to tell somebody like that, you know, you can work hard and be better. Some people might not want to hear that. Um, even like white people don't want to hear that kind of thing. So I'm very caffeinated, so I won't hog the mic too long here, but I think that the message is ultimately like, why the, like, like when, when this song can evoke an image of those like disgusting looking, like rich white people who are like, like the woman's wearing like a striped shirt and white pants. The guy's wearing like a tucked in pink polo shirt. He's got a little beer gut. So his beer's coming out over his beer guts coming out over his white ass khaki pants or whatever, or white ass fucking pants. And like, that's like, because someone posted that image when this song came out, that image is like imprint. Like images are so huge now because we all communicate with pictures and emojis. Did you know that guy's so, running for Senate? La- I'm I'm not surprised. He's the perfect person Illinois to run for Senate. Missouri, he's uh, running to be a senator. Some rich motherfucker who believes in who believed in Trump saw that guy. He's like that guy's a fuck. It's the same thing with the Kyle Rittenhouse shit. Like he was like, that guy's a fucking patriot. And he goes to church and he's like, I saw this guy on the news putting his gun up to the Black Lives Matter protesters. And you know what? I was like, I'm going to fund this fucking guy. I'm going to turn, I'm going to get him into power. Yeah, I'm sure. That's what's fucked up. It probably wasn't even his idea to run. I'm sure, like you said, someone with power and influence was like, you should really run for office. So before I repeat myself again, I love what you said, Ian. There is a beautiful irony. And I think that that ultimately is like, what Nick Cave is all about lyrically these days, but also I think that's kind of what this song boils down to is we have this mythical, you know, a white elephant is kind of like a white whale, Moby Dick. Like we're all chasing this thing. The elephant also happens to be a symbol for the conservative Republican party. We're all chasing this, 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 this like perfection, this image, you know, we read the Bible. We believe everything in the Bible. Oh, do you, do you believe that like, Like, can I sleep with your wife? Because you're supposed to covet, you know, thy neighbor's wife. So, like, do you believe that part? So, humanity is such a clusterfuck of meaning and randomosity that it's like, at the end of the day, like, you're just boring and you own a gun. But because you're boring and you own a gun and you're white, like, you can oppress people. Yeah, it's well said. I have nothing to add, uh, but I totally agree. Uh, We should talk about the title a little bit. Uh, You mentioned the game. I think there's... I mean, the title is just so loaded with different layers. There's obviously the Republican Party imagery. There is... You know, an elephant never forgets is like, you know, the phrase people say. So there's some, like, meaning of, like white people never forgetting privilege or, or something like that. You know, there's something in there about elephants never forgetting things. And then when I was looking up the party game to see like where that might've come from, Mm -hmm. uh, did you see this thing that white elephants were given as gifts by the King of Siam at some point? I didn't see that. So it was like a gift that like the King would give to you, you know, I guess if you were in his favor, Mm Hmm. And it was against, you, you can't decline a gift from the king. He's the king, so you have to accept it. So these people had to accept these elephants, but they had no way to care for it. They had nowhere to put it. Mm-hmm. So you're stuck with this elephant, mm-hmm. and you either have to, like, 
let the elephant just ends free, up dying probably. or like force yourself into bankruptcy trying to feed it and care for it. And it was mm-hmm. just like this mm-hmm. gift you don't want. So I'm guessing that's where the party game yeah. came from because it's like a gift you don't want to have. You're passing around. Uh, wow, that's funny. So that game's probably racist. It sounds like like it might be a game that's based in racist. Uh, I don't uh, like making. I mean, I I couldn't say either way. I don't know about that, but I had no idea. That's a really crazy story. Imagine someone giving you an elephant and you can't say no. Yeah, it's 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 almost comedic. But I guess if you take it in that sense, like it's like these white supremacists just continue to ha- like hand over they're just, they're the white elephant like they they think that they're a gift to the world but you know ultimately they just kind of end up holding everybody back or it could be if you want to pull the scope outward it could even be like america's influence on the r- world like america presents itself exactly as a gift to the world but i bet a lot of other countries are like you know we don't we're not into your all's influence your all's culture so much let us do our own thing mm-hmm yeah, I mean, American branding is the biggest thing outside of America, which I think is why the title is pretty apt for the millionth time, which is like, you know, if you look at America, you see what, you know, we see the, you, you see the headlines about police shootings and healthcare, and you see people in the Republican Party and Democratic, but Republican Party, like, you know, fighting against human rights all the time. And they're so white guys, elephant, Republican Party. I mean, there's, I, I, this, this song is the first time I've, I've listened to a song and I'm like, and it was for no particular reason other than I have a million books on my bookshelf, but I'm like, I'm going to make time for a Nick Cave book soon because there's just like, you could teach a college class about some of his songs, I think. Like, you could do a whole course about Nick's songs. For sure. Um, you mean like one of his... Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Okay. Uh, no, no. You, you ask your question and then I'll ask this. It's just a fun question. I already forgot what I was going to say immediately. <laughs> so oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to it. It was about... You were going to ask about like what kind of class or something. Oh, what, when you said a book about Nick Cave, do you mean one of his novels or like a book like uh, dissecting his, his stuff? Uh, either or, but I meant a novel by okay. it, that he's written. I was just wondering. Yeah. I, I also want to, um, because I'm starting to get up the gumption to write scripts, um, I want to download some of his scripts when I start doing that and read them and see how you know he wrote those movies. Um, would you take, if, there, if you were in college and you had to take a credit and you needed like two credits and they had a Nick Cave class, would you take it? Yeah, I host the if, Nick Cave podcast. If the so- the class was only about Nocturama. Yeah, I would still take it. It'd be better than learning about, like, <laughs> I don't know. That's some, it would be better, right? some whack-ass classes in my colleges. I mean, there was some good ones, too, but. Because you get all the people like you who come in, and they're like, Nocturama's not that good. And then the professor, like, changes your mind, and he's like, Nocturama's, like, like, like the craziest thing. Dude, if I can have some uh, smart-ass professor with wire room glasses and patches on his elbows of a suit jacket convinced me that Nocturama sounds like you're describing yourself is a good album I'll I'll take that I'd love for that to happen <laughs> did you see that this song was dedicated to an artist named Thomas Halsego yeah uh there's a red hand files about it right 
Yeah, so he's this artist that Nick Cave, I guess, is friends with. Um, he looks to be pretty famous, so when I Googled him, he has a Wikipedia and everything. His last name, I'm, I'm wow, wow, probably wow. butchering it. It's H-O-U-S-E-A-G-O. He's got some really... Pasiego. Some really cool sculptures. It looks like that's his like primary thing he's become famous for. But anyway, I guess at the time, he was painting, and he was stuck in a rut. And they did something that me and you, Jake, have done before. They did a little challenge to each other. And Nick Cave was like, if you do a painting for me, I'll write a song for you. You know. Sometimes it's easier to work for other people. We do this all the time, where we do like a song challenge, where we got to write a song about some random word and send it to each other, and that makes us get into the creative process. So I love seeing that Nick Cave and Thomas did that. And White Elephant was the song that Nick wrote for him. I love that that small little exercise of like creative inspiration was basically what helped make or cause Carnage to become an album. It's always those little things, you know? And it's cool seeing any time like someone you respect does the same thing that you do. And that's something that we've done with our friends all the time. It's cool to see that, like, you know, we say this all the time, but even in his 60s, he's still doing that same thing. I, uh, it just, like, reminds me how important there would be times in our lives where we were doing it more often, but I feel like it always happens once a year for, like, a couple months where you, me, and friend of the podcast, Mike Stewart, will do it a couple of times and you know it's awesome and I always end up making cool stuff yeah sometimes I get stuck I'm, I'm so in my own head and I'm I'm so narrowly focused if then you come in and you're like hey write a song about baseball hats I have to totally like reset my brain and like you know think out of left field and yeah that's really important to have something like that because a lot of what I do now is solo I need an outside person every once in a while to like shake me up. I think it's just um, for you and I, I think we're even, even as we write things on our own, you know, stories, books, music, I think we always end up coming back to each other or other people for ideas or conversation. I think you and I are both very like collaborative people. I think that's why you've been in a band for so long. I think that's why I've been in bands, but I think also I realized talking with uh, my girlfriend the other day that I actually might be one of those people that like I'm I can be I could probably be hard to work with because like I'm not great about I've gotten better now, but I'm not great about like speaking up for what I want. So I end up presenting other people in the band who do sort of take or I, or I did kind of do that. So it's just a good moment of self-reflection. But yeah, um, I, I love that that was the impetus for this song. And um, I mean, what a great artist to be connected to, you know, the lore behind White Elephant. Like I'm, I'm looking at one of his paintings that's on the Red Hand Files. It's a Red Hand File issue 137 from March, Right after the record dropped, um, beautiful painting. Some, it looks like something I would make, like with uh, my markers and color. It reminded me of stuff. Haley because it was like the impressionistic style, but instead of dots, it's 
like dashes. Yeah. And I feel like that's what Haley's doing a lot now. That same sort of brush strokes. Yeah, you're going to love what she's working on recently. She's been making some cool stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Impetus for White Elephant. I- I'll be honest, I think be we covered about everything I wanted to talk about with this song. It was yeah, kind I, of a I, short and sweet experience. Oh, it's still, we're still half an hour. It's still, I, you know, I expected to come in here and us to duke it out, but we. Yeah. Like always, found out that we agreed. Yeah, I, the one I thing think in life we so, can agree on is Nick Cave songs. So before we leave, I just want to shout this out again. I talked about mm-hmm. it maybe six weeks ago, something like that. But once again, if you didn't hear or you forgot, Warren Ellis has a wildlife sanctuary that he's been working mm-hmm. on. It's called Ellis Park. You can find it at ellispark.org. He's been like sharing progress on Twitter uh, of it, and it's been really amazing. He's doing something really amazing with this project. I think there might be merch now. There might be like shirts you can get, but you can also just donate to it outright. So if you have any extra money, you should consider donating. I think it's a really important cause. Huh? What's that? What's that? Okay. I uh, got a paper here from Blue the Intern Dog. Oh, that's what she was doing the whole time. Um, it takes it a long looks time like for we, a dog to write something. It looks like we do have a sponsor for the ad, uh, <laughs> okay. or for the podcast. Um, Not Sony Pictures. So our, I'm just going to read what she wrote here for me to say. So it says, are you interested in ending the tyranny in Louisville? Well, we have news for you. There's a new candidate in town running for city council, and his name is Corey Lucas. Vote for Corey Lucas in the midterm elections 2022 in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Well, I guess we just announced the candidacy. he, uh, He is running on the platform. This is all written down here. He's running on the platform of the MD party, which stands for Mountain Dew, or as he likes to call himself, self, the Mountain Dudenist candidate. So once again, keep your eyes and ears peeled for a campaign being run by the Corey Lucas Foundation and the MD party. And uh, okay, all right. And Blue Jake, just your- took the paper from me. For your book you're writing, uh, if you wanted to get psychedelic with it, you could have a government program where they were putting LSD in Mountain Dew, and instead of MK Ultra, it's MD Ultra. MD Ultra, that's funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you to our sponsor Corey Lucas. He got my vote. Thank you everybody for listening. If you want to email us, we can be found at JubileeStreetPod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on all that. Hit us up. And we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Have a good night. Keep listening to Nick Cave. And go see Venom 2, Total Carnage.